0: Welcome back to another episode of That's When I Knew, the podcast where real people have real conversations about the journey towards building a meaningful career in tech sales. And today I have a very special guest. This is someone that um, I would consider like part of my sales family at this point. And uh, she is um, definitely a person you should be following. And I'm going to give her a great introduction before before I introduce our guest today. Definitely want to do a bit of housekeeping. Number one, subscribe to the show, like, follow the show, uh, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitch podcast. Um, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. It would mean a lot to me. And I want to, you know, first and foremost, just thank all my listeners out there for even, you know, uh, giving us a listen, giving us a watch. Uh, it's greatly appreciated. All right. Now that, now that we have that covered, um, wow. What can I say about our guest today? This is a person that, you know, I was I was working on a project and I was in some 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 groups and I put a message out into the universe. I was like, I need some help, I need some 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 advice from an experienced seller. We won't dive into too much into what that project was about, but the person joining me on the show just, you know, she 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 raised her hand, she was so willing to just extend her time, her knowledge, her expertise to help me with that project. And ever since then I've been following her on LinkedIn and And she has some very, very thoughtful things to say, uh, regarding the tech sales space. Um, she's been an account executive for Sales Law. So if you're, if you're a seller, you know Sales Law, right? And she's currently working as an account executive for the likes of Twilio and, um, just a a really thoughtful person. She has a great story, uh, coming from a career in, um, and legal to now being in tech sales. So, without further ado, uh, Morgan, uh, welcome to That's When I Knew the podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Absolutely, absolutely, my pleasure. And, uh, so this podcast is all about you know bridging the personal and the professional. And, you know, I'd be re- uh, remiss if I didn't start from the beginning. So, I would love if you could tell, you know, our listeners and our viewers just a bit about you personally and you know where you grew up, where you're from. And uh, and we'll go from there.
1: Yeah. So um, I am originally from uh, Washington D.C. Grew up in Prince George's County, Maryland, and went to Howard with the okay. expectation. Yes, the real HU. With the expectation <laughs> of uh, being being a lawyer. Growing up, I always wanted to, you know, make my parents proud and. When I started to go through school, my natural kind of inclinations were to reading and writing. And so, you know, my parents were like, hey, you've got three options doctor, lawyer, or engineer. And so, <laughs> uh, because reading and writing were my strong suits, I was kind of pushing that direction. And I thought it was what I wanted to do too. So, all through high school uh, and college, that's what I explored internships and jobs in the legal space. And so, I thought I really enjoyed it. um you know, I talked to a few lawyers growing up, and I was for sure that this is what I wanted to do. I uh, thought that I wanted to be a judge, maybe even Supreme Court justice one day. Um, so I went through a uh, straight through law school right after graduating from Howard, and um it just it wasn't what I thought it was, and so um practiced law for four and a half years until I decided I just couldn't take it anymore um so there you know there were definitely some uh there are longer explanations right along the way in that journey but to sum it up you know that that's what that path looked like.
0: No that's awesome and then you know this isn't the traditional like story right I've had you know um, a lot of guests come on the show and I ask this question it's like what did you want to be when you grow up and like a lot of people they'll say oh I want to do this and then but they don't really even start the process, right? Or it's like, yeah, I want to do this. But when I got to college, I, I, I started to do something else, right? You from the jump knew you wanted to, you know, be a lawyer, eventually a judge. And not only did you, 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 you were still showed that dedication and, and commitment to seeing it through. You actually became a lawyer, right? And so, um, you know, I guess to, to, to talk, talk, talk to us a little bit about, you know, what the process was for you while you were going through that before becoming a lawyer. So going through school, you know, and perhaps even getting your first job as a lawyer, um, were you still excited about that that career path even throughout that process?
1: I definitely was still excited about it. I mean, you know, when you, you expect law school to be a haze, right? Like you know that it's going to be really hard. You don't expect to enjoy law school, so it wasn't. It wasn't really a red flag to me when I got there, and I was unhappy. You know, it was it was something that I knew going in would you know be kind of a miserable experience, especially a one L year, right? But the idea is that you get through law school, you you kind of earn your stripes. Past the bar, and then you just will kind of ride off into the sunset, and you know everything will be great from there. Um, so when I was in my first year of law school, and I had that exact experience, um, there was a class I took second semester of one L year called property, and I mean most of the most of my classes were you know pretty boring, but property. Like was just the bane of my existence. It was, you know, it was like very, it was like hard. And I was like, what, what is going on? What the hell am I doing? And I did not get a good grade in property. And like, I had always been like an overachiever. I never had, never, ever had bad grades. Like never got less, you know, never got less than a B in any, you know, in any class at any point. And so when I got a bad grade in property, like, it just hit me. I was like, what in the world is going on? Like, what's wrong with me? I just started to question myself. And so that's when I was like, maybe I should quit law school. And I thought that I should quit law school because I'm like, this isn't me. Like, I'm not used to not doing well, but it was, so that was jarring to me, but I thought to myself, no, because if I quit, just because I got a, I got a bad grade in one class, that makes me a quitter. You know, I've been working so hard up until this point. But so I kind of, I talked myself out of it and it was something that I only considered for like maybe a day or two. So I wasn't like really truly mulling it over. Looking back though, that I think it wasn't, maybe i should have given a little bit more credence to the thought of should i actually leave law school and it wasn't necessarily because of the grade that i got to me looking back i think it spoke to my lack of interest and motivation because i've never been averse to hard work so i you know looking back of course hindsight is 2020 looking back i'm like i think that was more of like Me showing subconsciously that my heart wasn't all the way in it, but I had no way of knowing that, right? Because I'm I was young, I was 22, I was away from home, and I was like, "How can I say no to this whole entire career path just because of one class, which doesn't even reflect a the type of law that I want to practice or b what it's going to be like in the real world?" So, um, you know, I think that. That kind of reflected where I was mentally, but I don't think there was really any way for me to come to that conclusion, really, once I actually was, you know, once I actually saw, you know, four or five years down the line what what would happen.
0: Yeah. And and there is a there's a thin line between like uh between you, you, you know, I guess deciding to move on because you hit that failure and you're like, okay, versus, um, I'm moving on because I'm not interested in like, and, and it, it's, it's sometimes it, I mean, yeah, I mean, but you, you make a great point in regards to, uh, pursuing something that you're interested in would you say that you know for for people who you know for your younger self would you say that you know that's something that people should really be putting more weight on as they're thinking about their future is like not necessarily what's going to pay me the most or what's expected of me but what what fuels me what you know what am I passionate about because is that, would you say that's the most important
1: a hundred percent what fuels you what are you pass passionate about and like what do you naturally gravitate towards because growing up I was always I, I loved tech. I was always on my computer. And this is back when, you know, it was like we didn't have laptops weren't, you know, super prevalent. So, you know, you had this like big Dell or gateway desktop, desktop, <laughs> desktop computer. But I was like always on my computer. And I was I taught mm-hmm. myself HTML when I was twelve and oh, yeah so it was like building websites and it was it was just fun I was doing it for fun but I mm-hmm. never thought about it as a career path like I never really truly thought about it as a career path and like I remember one time when I was in ninth grade I had I was taking some type of computer course I can't remember what it was and this teacher at this teacher Mr. Mooney like he was so nerdy and he used to always say I'm telling you if you guys take this serious you know, you know, 10, 20 years down the line, you guys are gonna be golden. And I'm just like a clown. I'm like who is this
0: teacher? what we gotta give him a look, what's his look, name? We And give now look, out.
1: I now I, I was like clowning him. I was a kid clowning him, like, oh you guys are gonna be golden. But like looking but <laughs> now I'm like, I should have listened to Mr. Mooney because he Oh was yeah on Mr. Mooney yes. Mr.
0: Mooney was on to something for he sure. He
1: was he was but like, but had I actually given actually given that you know the thought that it actually deserved, you know, I maybe I would have landed a, you know on that as you know something that I wanted to explore. Um, and I also I did like to sell, so I used to sell uh, CDs. I used to burn CDs from Napster and LimeWire. I know I'm <laughs> I'm clearly dating myself right What's now. What's the
0: first CD you burned and sold?
1: Oh my god! It was um, LL Cool J. It was that. <laughs> It was that, it was, it was, it was this one song, um, Love You Better. It was whatever album that song was on. But I used to, I mean, okay. but I used to make people mix it. I used to be like, give me your track list. I'll make your, you know, whatever you want, I got you. But that was like the way that I would make money in middle school and mm-hmm. high school. I was burning CDs and selling them. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, never thought about that. It was more so you know, this lawyer path and all of these other things that I like to do on the side was just like, you know, to make some extra coins and, you know, just have fun like as a hobby.
0: Yeah, no, that's crazy. I mean, so, so many gems there. Number one, one thing that sticks out to me is we need more people like Mr. Moody in the in communities because like it's these people that can really ch- change the, the, the direction and path of our, our of our youth. We need those future thinkers. We need people to like, be giving back and saying, hey, I understand that this is what's going on today, but you should focus on this because this is the future. Like, that is, we need that. We need a lot of that in our community. I think, you know, there's more of it happening, but we need that. We need that for sure. My my production manager, uh, uh, Bria, she, she's definitely going to find that LL Cool J song. We're definitely going to have that on the clip. And you was my good girl that wouldn't give it up. I can't let her self-destruct.
1: Uh-uh. Baby, smile. Uh, <laughs>
0: uh, this is really all really fascinating and it also sounds like you were in you know there was a little bit of that sales in you that hustler you know uh skill or i guess personality trait that you had at a young age as well like it's all making sense right mm-hmm now the question's for you is, you know, um, when 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 are you, now that you're in, you, you had that, that, that that you know, that interest in tech at an early age, you know I mean? How many 12-year-olds know to teach themselves HTML? Like, I remember getting my first cell phone and not even knowing how to send a text. Like, I got a text. I'm like, how did I send a text? <laughs> and you're sitting there teaching yourself HTML. Do you think that, in the, that there's a future Morgan that becomes a software engineer and is like is able to not only sell products but build products one day? Do you, is that something that you might see in the future?
1: Neg- negative. Sorry, my dog is very talkative. It's all good. Um, no, th- that's okay. that's not in my future. Um, but I think the. Give me, me one second.
0: So you were saying that you, you don't you don't see yourself going down the software engineering path.
1: No, I don't see myself going down that route because it's I mean, I, I enjoyed it, but I don't think I would want to do it as a for a living. Yeah. I think to me, it, the like the broader point was I like tech. Yes. Right. So like I want to be in tech and involved in the business of tech. Um, so I think it's just like marrying those, those two, Mm -hmm. but, um, but as far as like being an engineer, being a coder that I don't, I don't think uh, that's my calling. Okay. It's
0: all good. And you know, (laughs) I I think the really, the, 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 biggest takeaway for me is just like that affirmation of it's about what you're interested in, what you're passionate about, because no matter what the challenge is, if you're interested and passionate about something, like Oftentimes, that is what will give you the energy to like push forward. Um I definitely see. I've definitely seen that in my own life. Like just trying different things, and because I'm interested and I'm intrigued, I'm doing whatever it takes to learn. You know, that's been that's kind of been my personal story. Even coming into sales, like you know, your probably story, right? You know, you no, know, is is anyone in your family in tech or in tech sales, like? Right. And so- Not
1: at all. Nobody in my family's in tech or sales. You know, no one really understood why I was making the move that I was making. So, you know, it was it was really just I had to trust my gut. I was like, I know what's best for me. You know, I've done my due diligence here um, and I know what I've been interested in before. So I'm I'm going to go with that.
0: Got it. Wow. Yeah, that's amazing. So, so t- let's talk about how you you got into tech sales. Like, what 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 was that moment in time like for you when you were just like tech sales light bulb? Let's let's see what that's all about. What was that moment like for you?
1: Yeah, I wish it was that easy. So, uh, <laughs> I think about two years into um, two years into my time practicing law is when I came to the conclusion that it was not for me. And I was um trying to just figure out like what what what's next for me? What am I going to do? It's not a matter of if I'm leaving law, it's when and what's next. And so first I was exploring things that you know were like they there are jobs out there that's considered JD preferred. So you don't need to have a law degree, but we like candidates to have a law degree. So it's not like practicing law in a formal sense, um, but having a law degree is helpful. So I was looking at stuff like that. None of that interested me. Then I was thinking, just like I was just like looking at any and everything, which is kind of overwhelming. And so I think it, you know when you find yourself at a crossroads, instead of just being like, oh, I'm open to anything, you really should. Be honest with yourself and think about what are some things that I have done when I was a child or, you know, what is something that I've always wanted to do secretly, but was told that it's unrealistic or it's, you know, it's not something that's going to pay the bills or, you know, just like start thinking along those lines. And so that's when, that's when tech popped into my, popping into my mind. I was like, I always I know that I was always like drawn to being on my computer, building websites. Um, Then the show Silicon Valley, Mm -hmm. that show had just come out and I was like, man, it would be super cool to work at a startup. Like, I know this is Hollywood, (laughs) but it would be cool to, to work at a startup. So I started looking into more into the tech space. I had a few, um, you know, I had a few deal breakers. I knew I didn't want to go back to school. Mm-hmm. I knew that I did not want to um, kind of like relearn something. So like, even though you don't have to go to school to be an engineer these days, that I thought was going to give me an opportunity to make the type of living and have the earning potential that I wanted. So that helped me to narrow it down considerably. And so I started to look at things like, digital marketing, which that really didn't stick for very long. I looked at, um, product management and then I stumbled upon sales. The way I stumbled upon sales though, was I had a friend who actually, she was a friend of a friend and she was in sales and business development for Uber. And she said, look, sales is like a play really nicely with your background, you just, in terms of like negotiation and persuasion and like communication, like all of these things that you already know how to do well as a lawyer, that's critical for you to do well in sales. She was like, so I think you should look into that. Just like given your, given your list of priorities and criteria, like sales would not require you to have to go back to school and you know, you'll, you'll make good money. So, so I started to really do my due diligence and I did tons of research and listened to a bunch of podcasts and read a lot of articles and talked to people in sales. And then that's when I more and more like over time, and this was a slow process, right? Cause I didn't want to, I didn't want to find myself in the same position that I was in practicing law. So like, I didn't rush that process. Um, so I was like, all right, after doing my research, I was you know, over time I was able to confidently mm-hmm. say, okay, I think this is what I want to pursue.
0: Your friend sold you on sale. She did. She, <laughs>
1: did. she did. She yeah. did. She changed my life no, quite literally.
0: No, that, that's awesome. Um, speaking of that, how important is like uh, just community in that regard when, when, you know, generally speaking, how important is that community and just having a diverse set of people in your life that can open your eyes to different, you know, possibilities, how important is that to you?
1: Oh, it's super important because you never know what you can learn from people. And so Mm -hmm. um, a lot of lawyers on LinkedIn, especially, especially former lawyers, I guess, because, you know, we have that, that commonality, they reach out to me all Mm -hmm. the time and, you know, they're kind of in the same boat. And one thing that I hear pretty consistently is that they're afraid to, tell people that this is what they want to do but i think that's the only way to like be able to explore if and what is what else is out there you know like i never would have if if i were like too scared to tell people that like hey i'm thinking about quitting my job i'm really miserable i want to do something in tech if i was not open about that because i would tell anybody that would listen but if I wasn't open about that, I never would have been introduced to her because mm-hmm. the person that I told was like, hey, I have somebody you, could, you should talk to. She's been in tech for a while. She's a beast. And I think that you all would connect and she could really help you. And so I think you have to like there, there's no shame in sharing that with people. It's no. Now, of course, you have to be careful, right? Like maybe you don't want to tell people at your job. Right. But (laughs) tell people, tell people in your circle, tell your family members, tell your friends, because you don't Mm -hmm. know who they know. And especially if you're trying to enter a space where you don't have any connections, like that's Mm -hmm. the only way to start building your network is you have to tap into other people's. But the only way Mm -hmm. that can happen is if people know what you want to do, you have to let people help you.
0: Yeah, I want to I want to go into um, I want to go into. The next part of the uh, my next question, but I also do want to do a a, a slight plug because I think um, a a great way for people that don't have that network maybe you, it's a it's it's yourself right you you knew one person and you sure want, you know that one person could be could be the difference maker but it's always good to see more people and be in a community I think that always helps that's also going to expand your network. And I think for the listeners out there, whether you're in sales, whether you're pursuing sales, whether you're interested in sales, there are communities that are always welcoming to, you know, help you. And I would assume that's going to be the same with any career. I don't want to just pigeon like any career, Google like Slack channels, Google these different communities. One that I can plug, you know, on this podcast, you know, um, sales for the culture. They are a community that I think are doing great things for, you know, um, Black people that are interested in pursuing sales or pursuing sales. So, um, definitely want to plug that there. Question for you. Um, I think it's pretty obvious. I, you know, okay. So you, you mentioned one thing with, with your criteria. You were like, I don't want to go back to school. The, 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 the interesting thing about tech sales is you actually don't even need a degree. <laughs> Like you could reverse your time. You could reverse your degree. You could say, like, if you get four years of your life back and you still like find it, make a successful career in sales. And so obviously there's a lot of things that you acquired in your, your law career, you know, that, you know, are, are, I'm sure just helping you, like just your, how articulate you are, your writing, all of that. But my question for you is, are there any skills that you've acquired in sales that if you were to go back into law, would make you a better lawyer?
1: That's a really good question. That's a really good question that I've never thought about. <laughs> yeah, I'm probably, probably, yes. I think that what, so when I was practicing law, I was young when I got out of, like when I passed the bar, I was 24 going on 25. And so I was like, you know, I was younger than most of my colleagues. And as a lawyer, like, there is definitely a certain, there's a certain, like, fearlessness and, like, you have to have about your personality because lawyers tend to have, you know, kind of type A personalities. You're dealing with, like, clients who are most of the time in, like, high stakes, high pressure situations. And, you know, you can't, like, you can't be timid at all. And naturally, I'm not a timid person at all. Um, But like, you can easily feel like this is really intense. I'm a little in over my head because there's just so many moving parts, right? And so now that I've transitioned to sales, like, especially, especially being an SDR, like, I like hats off to SDRs. When I was an SDR, like, I really learned like there you cannot be. Like you just, you, you can't be timid. You can't, you can't be scared. You know, rejection really literally has to roll off your back. You know, like we used to, I mean, when I was, my my team, when I was in SDR, like we used to laugh about like, oh yeah, somebody just cussed me out. That's what they just called me. Like, I mean, you just gotta be able to laugh it off. And like some, that really scares right. a lot of people who aren't in sales. And so just like that, just, you know, that, Tough skin that you develop in sales i think i th- I think you develop it even faster and it's even more intense mm-hmm. in sales, I think than in in practicing law, at least in my experience. so I think that's one thing I would definitely if I were to ever go back in an alternate universe um certainly I think that would that would for sure be it, just like like literally there's nothing you can say to me that will scare me or intimidate me at all.
0: Mm. oh that's awesome what a great answer um okay help me help me help the listeners out there are there any other for the folks that are just like clocking in every day (laughs) just like i need something different are there any other careers that you know your opinion you know would make a good fit for a career in sales off the top of your mind that you could think of
1: yeah i think probably if you've ever there are lots of jobs. If you've done anything, customer facing it would be great for sales mm-hmm. because, you know, in in most organizations, it's not just about the first sale. You know, you hold on to your accounts for at least some, some period of time where you mm-hmm. have to continue to massage that c- customer relationship, nurture that customer. A lot of times you are putting out fires you're dealing with you know, maybe, a, an angry customer that you sold to. So you kind of feel responsible for making sure that that customer is happy. So just being mm-hmm. able to having that like customer first mindset is so critical in sales. So if you've come mm-hmm. from a customer facing background, I think that would be, that would be great for sales. And really just anybody who has that, just like a hustler type mentality. Um, even if your job didn't directly correlate, to sales in a way that like really jumps out at you if that's your mind mindset then you'd be a great fit for sales
0: okay awesome awesome I would agree with that <laughs> now there's a legend going around that Morgan uh red lines her own contracts is that is that true <laughs> <laughs> that isn't no okay <laughs>
1: the streets the streets lie because <laughs> let me tell you that has never happened that has never happened and also you like whenever you join a company, usually they have a general counsel that's that works in house, or they farm out their legal work. And so it's actually illegal. I don't want to say illegal, but like you can't act as an attorney if you are not like if you're not um, that company's lawyer. If you're not like retained as that company's lawyer, you're not authorized to make those kinds of mm. decisions. So no. It wouldn't happen if I wanted to, but I don't even. I'm I'm done with it. I didn't this. know
0: that. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. I didn't know that. That is amazing. If you if if it came down to like if you were ever to go to an, a very very early stage startup, you could do that. You could wear multiple hats. You'd be more fit than a lot of other sellers out there. That's for sure.
1: Probably. Yeah.
0: And for the listeners out for the listeners out there, you know, redlining. So basically in sales, right, Morgan, like you're closing these deals, a contract is, you know, always the contract is what needs to be signed in order for, you know, you to collect revenue or recognize revenue from this potential customer. And so oftentimes, especially with the bigger deals, these companies, like there's going to be negotiating of the actual contract. Maybe they don't want to auto renew things of that nature. So oftentimes you're going to have that legal person, uh, Read over that contract, make the changes, make the edits. And, um, Morgan is in a, has a interesting background in history as a lawyer. She's, uh, she's, you know, if, if it came down to it, you know, she could do it if, if she needed to, but, uh, she works for some great companies. Exactly. <laughs> um, all right. One thing that I wanted to get. I wanted you to share with the listeners is like, you kind of touched on it already, but like, do you have like one key advice for actually, I'm going to switch it up. I'm sorry. I just remembered. I just remembered the listeners are probably like, Robert, you made a promise and you are not, um, you know, staying true to that promise. Right. So my last episode, it was my, my 10 keys to success in career sales. Right. And, um, and I promised the listeners that the 10th key would actually come from my next guest. So that would be you. So what what is your just number one key to being successful in a career in tech sales?
1: Oh, the number one key.
0: Number one key or, or thing that's near and dear to you. Like if this is my key, I mean, obviously there's a lot of keys, but this is my key.
1: Yeah, I think one thing I tell myself all the time in sales is, you have to keep a very even temperament in sales. Like you can't ride the lows for too long and you can't ride the highs for too long because the moment you ride the lows for too long, it's going to really affect your mindset. And you're not going to be able to perform at your best if you're thinking about a deal that just, you know, a, a deal that you were counting on that didn't come through, or if you're, you know, you're upset about your pipeline is looking crusty. Like you have to even temperament, same thing with a deal, you know, a big deal that just came in. Sure. It's okay to celebrate, but not for too long because you start, if you're, if you start getting big headed, right. Like, That's the moment you take your foot up off the gas. And, you know, sales is all about what have you done for me lately? lately? Right. So once once you once you hit quota, once that quarter passes or, you know, you hit your annual number you know, that clock starts back to zero. So nobody is looking at like, oh, we're going to cut you some slack because you did well before. Like, no, you still have to continue to produce results and you have to continue to perform. So, you know, start every day, like a clean slate, doesn't matter what happened yesterday, be it good or bad. You really have to just have, maintain a, a very, very like even temperament throughout your time in sales, because, you know, up or down, you don't want anything to affect your performance.
0: No, that's I I would definitely agree with that. I would actually say that, you know, for some people that's kind of hard. I was even for me that's that's a little hard like. It is. It's you definitely it's, you to get done. addicted to the thrill of like oh, closing yeah. deals, especially when you're early on in your career, you are just like there is a feeling when you're early on in your I would even say today like there's still a certain feeling when a docusign sign comes through. When you see that docusign sign in your inbox, it does.
1: You be like, "Oh, okay, I did it." That.
0: it it's a, it feels good yes, it feels good it does but I, I love that stay even kill and like don't get too big-headed you know but also don't get down in yourself because there are a lot of things that are going to be outside of your control too
1: exactly. so like exactly and anything can really change at any time can anything can change at any time you know mm-hmm. you could be at the top of the leaderboard and I can change in an instant, and you can be at the bottom of the leaderboard, and that can change in an instant. Like you just, you really have to just keep your eyes on the prize, kind of stay focused, and just put your head down and just keep working, no matter what.
0: Mm -hmm, I like that. A couple episodes, I said you can be at the top of the leaderboard one day, on the pit the next. (laughs) For real, for (laughs) real. That that's just you know. How do how do you stay even? Kill in like when you're. From quarter to quarter, month to month, how are you? How what you, what, are, what tactics do you use to just keep even kill and not to get big or get too low?
1: Honestly, I remind myself all the time of mm-hmm. my own experiences and how things have changed, either for for the better or for the worse. Like, mm-hmm. and a lot of times, like that's that's what does it for me. Like just remembering. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. You know, things are, things are looking, you know, kind of abysmal right now, but remember a few quarters ago, you know, you had that one deal that closed in a week and it took you from quota, where you at to above quota. Like I just remind myself of these things, you know, over and over Mm -hmm. again. And just like, that's, that's the way that I, that's the way that I keep myself humble for sure.
0: Humble no, and motivated, that, yes. and motivate. Yeah, keeping that big picture. Keeping that big picture. Um, I, I, I want to share. I think something that helps me now that we're on this topic. So I think something that helps me stay even kill is having things outside of work that I'm focused on too.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I think the times in my career where like my job, my, my day job has been ninety nine percent of my focus. Then that's where I'm just like always stressed. out. I'm always overthinking stuff. But the times where like. Work is like 50% or like, you know, it's not like my whole life. I got my own side projects. I got my own things I'm working on. It becomes less of a like, oh, you know what I mean? I'm able to both on the highs and lows. It's like, okay, great. I'm doing my job. Things are moving, moving forward. But okay. I also got, the, I'm working on this too. So
1: that's a that great point. Also, that's a great yeah, point. Yeah. yeah. You do have to have a life outside of work because that helps you to remember like, this is not the end all. This is not the end all. be all, all. Yep.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. I want to touch on some important things too. So now, um, as an, as an African American woman, like what is, what has been that experience like, um, working in tech sales and is it different than the law field that, you know, is, or has it been kind of the same in terms of, uh, just, you know, I mean, it's no secret, (laughs) no secret, like, you know, tech is, you know, there's still some, some work that needs to be done in terms of diversity. Uh, I think a lot of companies have great intentions. You know, you are seeing it, we're seeing companies be vocal and actually do things, but I, I I would love to just capture what your experience has been like. Um, and just, yeah, hear from you what, what that's been like.
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, just like practicing law sales has been an experience where I'm one of few in some instances, you know, the only, um, and it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. And I do think that, um, certain companies are more intentional than others about changing that. Um, you know, I think Twilio has done a fantastic job of, um, being more inclusive and making sure that the teams remain diverse, especially in sales. Um, so I'm really, really happy at the progress that has been made in my current company, but yeah, like it's definitely for the most part, you know, sales definitely tends to be, you know, they call it that, that bro culture. Um, Mm -hmm. and I was used to it because that law was, was the same way. Um, but you know, I think, because that is something that is very important to me. I definitely recommend anybody who is looking at looking at, at sales as a potential career, like make sure you ask, you know, ask the right questions and look on LinkedIn and see what is the, you know, what is the company's stance on, on, you know, having a culturally inclusive environment Um, What steps are they taking? Are they taking meaningful steps or are they just talking the talk but not walking the walk? You know, what does what does their leadership team look like? Like all of these things you can really you can you can do to kind of suss out. Is this an environment where I'm going to be comfortable, where I will feel like I'm treated fairly, where I'll have the same opportunities as everyone else? And, you know, well, will I be accepted? You know, like these things are very important. And there are things that these are things that we have to wrestle with more so than than others. And I also think, though, as a black woman, um, I there is a sisters in sales uh, slack group. That's one of the other communities I um, okay. wanted to, to mention that in addition to sales for the culture, sisters in sales is another mm-hmm. one. Um, so, you know, you can definitely find a community. Of women that can, you know, help to mentor you and develop you, if there aren't enough in your company, um, but it's a it's a struggle. One, I do think that not a lot of Black women, um, or not enough, get into tech sales in particular, and I and I I don't know why that is. Um, hopefully, that changes over time, um, but I do I do see that there's a limited number, so I think it's like. It's just being a double minority, right? Like women. A lot of women don't tend to get in sales as much because they. It has like a negative connotation, and then mm-hmm. being a black woman, you're going to see even fewer.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's. Yeah. Both. Both the slack groups will be in the uh, comments or in the, um, the show notes for people to click in and check those out, and. Um, yeah, I. That that. Yeah. Okay, so. There's a there's something that's been top of mind for me recently, um, which is like should should companies at you know when we speak about diversity, right? Like most of the reports show that many companies lack diversity, right? And um, however, um, there's for some reason still some argument that like minorities or you know women. They have it easier to get a job. Number one and number two, there's this other argument that like uh, meritocracy. Like, oh, companies shouldn't even be focusing on diversity at all. They should be focusing on the skills. And so I have my thoughts, and I'm be, I'd be happy to share my thoughts with you. But I was curious if you wanted to like say anything or like you know if you had any thoughts on either of those topics.
1: So, one, should companies focus on diversity? Should-
0: so, like, should companies like should companies consider diversity as like an option where they're even sourcing you know, recruiters? They're sourcing for candidates, hiring managers, sourcing for candidates. Should diversity even be a factor in that?
1: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Like, not only is it the right thing to do. Like that aside, you know, I find that they're not. Unfortunately, there are not enough people who are willing to do it for altruistic reasons. So Mm -hmm. even if that is, you know, you you don't really have a moral compass that says like, I should do it because it's the right thing. Companies should also do it because there are lots of studies that show more diverse workplaces have better results. So Mm -hmm. it's, you know, probably a, you know, the all about just having a diversity of experiences, diversity of opinions, um, that really just drive better outcomes. Um, so for those reasons, I think companies should absolutely, absolutely be focused on that for sure.
0: Absolutely. In terms of the meritocracy, I'm going to touch on that because, you know, that's something that irritates me a little bit because I think we need, um, a there needs to be a di- a shift, like a shift in what, like what is important and what's valued. And I think what's important and what's valued kind of comes from the top and it's like, what's important and valuable to them. So this whole idea of meritocracy, like, Just because I didn't score a 900, or I don't even know what the highest is, but like, just because I didn't go to Harvard or Stanford or got this advanced degree in economics, you know, um, well, let me ask you this. Can this, is this guy going to be resourceful? Does this guy have grit? Is this person, or does this, you know, person have, you know, thick skin, right? Like, there's so many, so many factors that can determine and influence success and, you know, and I and I'll me personally, I think that like the whole thing about companies are hiring people because of their skin color or gender solely is a is a lie. It's a fallacy. Like if that's the case, like companies are going to go to like the local McDonald's and be like, hey, you you black, you want? Oh, come come do this.
1: Oh, well, diversity. I'm <laughs> Yes. Yes. I, that's not even happening. Yes. And I think, you know, and, and, you know, we hear these same arguments like, oh, if we decide to lower our standards, then, you know, that means we're going to be doing ourselves a disservice and we shouldn't, you know, we shouldn't have to compromise or, or compromise on or, or sacrifice, you know, um, requirement our requirements you know, for our workforce, it's important that, you know, we have people that we feel confident can do the job. But if you are consistently picking from a pool of applicants that only meet this very strict criteria, um, and th- th- those criteria are things like pedigree, like, did you go to a certain school or did you, um, did you score a certain, you know, uh, test score or whatever? Or did you come from a certain company? We're only picking people that came from these types of companies. Like a lot of times, those institutions or those, um, you know, or, or, or those criteria already have inherently problems with diversity. So you're already picking, you're already picking a limited number of applicants from, you know, from folks that are not, are, you know, are not going to be diverse because of course, you know, we know that there are limited people that went to these schools or, you know, we already know Silicon Valley already has a problem with diversity. So if you're only choosing like, you know, these top tech companies that already have a problem with diversity, then you're not going to get a lot of diverse candidates, you know? So you're just like continuing the cycle of, you know, lack of inclusivity. So um, I, I think relaxing requirements it does not mean that you're choosing inferior candidates or, or, or uh, applicants that are lesser than. It means that you recognize that there needs to be some change and you are looking at other criteria to make your selection, but you're still ensuring that the folks that you choose can do the job, but they should absolutely be have, have a equal opportunity.
0: Yeah, I agree. And to me, it go, it even goes back further than just the last decade, two decades. Like, you got to understand, I, I like to use the I, I don't even like to use the term historically underrepresented. I like to use the historically marginalized groups because there's a difference there. Like, you know, it's just a difference. Like there's literally been systematic and cultural and societal barriers to certain groups of people, gender, gender ethnicity, race, you know, all types of things, Um, sex, like, uh, yeah, and like, so there's all types of things that historically, I'm talking hundreds of years, like, and, you know, and so yeah, it's like, it's definitely the right thing to do. And then also here, again, I agree with you. This is I'm very passionate about this, because I also think that like, we need to reframe what's important. But anyway, I digress. Mm-hmm. I digress. I did want to, <laughs> I did want to say Morgan because you you mentioned the whole thing about uh, mentorship. And again, I I consider you one of my mentors. Like when I see your posts come through on LinkedIn, I always stop to read it. Like what I think oh, a few you. days ago, you posted it was just like a sentence, and I was like, oh, that's a bar. <laughs> it's like a poem or something. You know <laughs> what I mean? But definitely follow Morgan on LinkedIn. Uh, how how is that the best place for people to get in touch with you? Yes. Okay, LinkedIn. That'll be in the um in the show notes as well. And I also, I you know, correct me if I'm wrong, Morgan, but you're pretty open to like a LinkedIn message. So if there's people out there like that need some support, need some guidance, need some just somebody to follow, and I'm sure you would do that for them. And I I I, I also want to extend myself as well. Like if there's anybody that I can help that's listening or watching this podcast or give you some advice, I'm always open and always you know willing to do that.
1: It's all about paying it forward
0: pay it forward pay it forward okay one more question and then we're going to get into a fun game a fun game okay my question for you this is an easy question actually who have you've been an sdr and you've been an ae who has the harder job
1: Ooh, that's a good they're they're hard in different ways they're hard in different ways but it's hard It's, it's 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 definitely tough to choose but they're hard in different ways Um, I mean, SDRs, of course, it's a, I mean, it's a grind, you're cold calling, you know, you're, you're getting hung up on, you're going to reject it left and right. Um, you know, and then once you do get somebody to agree to a meeting, you have to make sure you're qualifying it well enough and hoping that the AE is going to accept it. So it's a hard job. Uh, AEs of course have a tough job too, because you know, you're carrying a big bag. And a lot of times, thing you can do everything right in the sales process, and things can happen outside of your control. Um, you know, a lot of times AEs are responsible for their own pipeline, so sometimes they're doing, you know, the job nice. of an SDR too. So yeah. it's, I mean, it's any job in sales is going to be a lot of pressure. It's good pressure, right? It, mm-hmm. it, in that when when you win, it's sweet, and so it's like high risk, high reward type of job. Um, but they're hard, they're hard in different ways, but I will never be one of those people that say that, you know, now that I'm an AE, I'm looking down at A or at SDRs and be like, no, Oh, no, your no. job isn't hard. Like, no, it's, I, I get it. We're, we, we in the trenches.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I'm a, i am I feel the same as you. Like they're both hard. They're hard in different ways, but yeah, they're both hard and the SDR's job is to be respected because you know, as a conglomerate, like I think the, the job of an SDR, I think senior probably leadership and like, you know, these the executives, they're aware of this, but like a job of an SDR, the value, I'm going to talk about the value they bring. Sure. They're booking meetings. Sure. Some of those meetings are going to close, but like the thousands of emails and messages that they're putting out there into the universe, this is all marketing too. Like they're like, um, they're spreading the word. Like they, they bring so much more value than what they even get credit it, for. It, even it, as a group. it definitely
1: can feel like a thankless job, and you are yes. like a lot of times you are the front line because you're mm-hmm. not every customer has seen branding or marketing from your company. So a lot of times, like that SDR is the first introduction to a company that someone has ever had, and so and 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 it's yeah. unfortunate that I can that it can be a thankless job.
0: Yeah, that's so unfortunate. All right. So with that said, I have a fun game. This game is this game is called Green Flag, Red Flag. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're on Instagram, if you're on Twitter, even on LinkedIn, it's it's crazy how trends just you know like they go viral, right? And so. This is a game where I'm going to just make a few statements, and you got to say, "Oh, that's a green flag," or "That's a red flag." Green flag means, "Okay, that's that's a good sign." Red flag means, "Ah, you better, hey, let me double, let me, let me think about that." I don't know. This might. (laughs) Okay, cool, cool, cool. All right, so, okay, prospect asks about pricing within the first five minutes of the call. Red flag. (laughs) Okay. Hey, why is that a red flag? I'm curious.
1: Because that means that that more than likely means that you're not going to be able to really talk about like business value. They are yeah. they're only concerned about price.
0: Okay, cool. All right. Employee stock purchase uh, plans.
1: Oh, green flag.
0: Big green flag, definitely. Company has a diversity inclusion leader and lists DNI as a company value on their careers page.
1: I'm gonna need more than I'm gonna need more than that. It's it's a it. I don't want to say it's a green flag because a lot of companies have that, but it, you know, it's not in a meaningful way.
0: Okay, we don't know yet. Yellow flag. All right. Okay, this is a funny one here. <clears throat> the an SDR or AE cold FaceTimes a prospect. <laughs> <laughs> This is trending on LinkedIn that people are talking about.
1: Oh, red flag! Red flag!
0: Red flag! Red flag! Too too creative, too creative, and it's it's
1: it's intrusive. And I do think that some Mm -hmm. there has to be there has to be some boundaries. Like I don't even like it when people when when people that I know personally FaceTime FaceTime. me out the blue. Like no. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: Okay. Top performing AE turns sales manager.
1: Green flag.
0: Green flag. OK. Green flag. OK. Some people. Wait, are why? Yeah. That. What's that? Why is that? A, why is
1: that
0: a concern? So some people think that, you know, a, a top performing sales rep doesn't always equate to a good manager or leader. That's true. That's. And I I, I would agree with that to a certain extent. I, I think there's there are different jobs. You know, being a top seller there's a lot that can influence that versus being a manager. It's like, how good are you at leading people and managing people and building and coaching? Like, there's a lot. different. That's
1: again. that is that is true. Um, but I think but I would be a little more concerned if it was like a low performer, because it's like, do you even have the fundamentals? So mm-hmm.
0: what about like medium? Top ten percent seller. Like they're not number one all the time, but they're always hitting
1: their number. I th- yeah, I mean, honestly, I think with whether or not you're a low, medium, or high performer, it you have to have a service mindset. Leadership is about service. So okay. I think it's it's probably not enough information to say red or green flag. Um okay. But I mean, if I had my pick, like I would definitely want to see a high performer because if you know, I went, I'm I'm trying to learn, you know, what you did. So.
0: Right. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. All right. Green flag. Cool. Cool. Um, low attrition rates among sales team. Like you're interviewing for a company. All the sales people have been there for at least two years. Oh,
1: that's a green flag.
0: Green flag. Okay. Prospect says they are interested, but they need more time.
1: That's a red flag. <laughs> that's a red flag.
0: Anything... It, in, in my last episode one of my 10 keys is the only thing worse than a no is a maybe maybe I hate maybe
1: yes you know? and like they say time kills all deals so I mean unless you are involving me in these discussions that will help me to understand like where your head is like where you know where your trepidations are like what can we do to get to a yes unless I'm involved in these discussions I'm, I'm going to be a little nervous I'm going to say that's a red flag
0: Oh, I love that context. Thank you so much. All right, C- CEO or co corf- or co-founder identifies as some someone from an underrepresented background.
1: That could be a green flag. I mean, for that could be a green flag.
0: Okay. All right.
1: Yeah, I mean, it depends on it depends on a lot of things, but mm-hmm. generally, um, I think generally. That could mean that there's going to be a conscious effort to, you know, have a healthy environment.
0: OK, great. Great job. That says we're like a family.
1: Ooh, Ripley. <laughs> that's disingenuous because we're not a family. We're, we're a team. A we're a team. But we're not a family.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Well, that's it for the show. That's it for the game. Morgan, I really appreciate you joining me on That's When I Knew the Podcast. It's been a pleasure. It's been really fun. We've had some insightful conversations. Again, listeners, viewers, definitely follow Morgan on LinkedIn. She's always sharing. She's willing to help. And um, she's one of the future leaders in tech sales, in my opinion. So, um, yeah, again, Morgan, thank you for for joining me today.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I love this conversation.
0: (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. All righty. Until next time.
1: Not that I would make it, but what the fuck they toss? Cause I'm here, I'm here Now we here for the taking, yeah My God